Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to episode 223 of Slamfire Radio for September 15th, 2017. I am one of your hosts, Adriel Michaud. Hey, I'm Kelly Lynn. And guess what? I didn't quit. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> what was I to think? Just and trying I'm to true. have fun. I don't know. It was fun. Yeah. It's especially fun that she's still getting messages. <laughs> Did you really quit? Did you? Even, no. Even after the Facebook correct, correction post. Yeah. Hilarious. It wasn't well, even like our typical April Fool's Day screw with the listeners. It was just, well, guys, Kelly's not here tonight, so I'm going to say she quit. Sure, that'll be funny. That's all the prep that went into that. <laughs> and then you started getting messages. She really quit. Really? Mm-hmm. Did she really, really quit? Right? Didn't you? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's how a PR issue gets I, out of control. I, I just played along, and then, oh, yeah, no, it didn't so, go well. Uh, again, I apologize. We, again, we've missed the boat here on a Caliber episode. Uh, 223. We have mm-hmm. 223, and we talked about goose hunting instead of, like, having somebody come on to talk about the evolution of the 223 and the 556 five, or something. Whatever. Lame. Yeah. Hey, goose hunting. Goose hunting's cool, Start, though. It starts next week. Yeah, that's true. It is timely. Important. It is. Yeah. Hey, you know what? So Matthew two, two, quit this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so screw him. He quit. He hates the listeners and Kelly, and uh, he's gone. Hey, you know what? Two two four is the OD of uh, of that's your right. of your two, twenty two bullets. So we could still do it next week. We can still do two two three next week. We won't, but we, we could. Won't, but we could. Yeah. Good. Good point. All right. Why don't we move on here? What we did with Please. guns this week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. The Calgary Shooting Center has a huge selection of Trijicon, including their new HD XR pistol sights. Check it out at theshootingcenter.com. Oh. Trevor, did you want to start with uh, what you did in guns? Sure. Um, Saturday, we held the sixth annual multi-gun match, the Rescuers Gun Club, sponsored by X-Metal Targets. And it was poorly attended. Unfortunately, only 16 shooters showed up. A lot of first timers. Um, I don't know if Trevor Grenier listens to our show or not, uh, but uh, he w- he came out, and I was apprehensive at first. He didn't have a rifle, so he sent me a message. He's like, "I'll shoot it if somebody will lend me a rifle." And I was straight up. I said, "To be perfectly honest, your first action shooting match probably shouldn't be a three gun." Well, my concerns were unfounded. Nine times out of ten, that's correct. Your first shooting match shouldn't be uh, a three-gun. But uh, Trevor proved me wrong. He was super safe, worked like a dog, patched the whole time, reset, um, competently handled his firearms. He was always aware of his muzzle. He was 
comfortable with the firearms. Even like even the AR. I don't know if he ever shot an AR before, but uh, James Bork gave him his fancy schmancy three gun AR, and uh, yeah, he did really really good. Huh. So and um, there's a female shooter in our club. She shot our club matches all summer. Uh, doesn't have a black badge yet, but she knows you know the basic safety rules of action shooting because of those club matches. And she was in my squad, shared my Versamax and my AR with me, and did did awesome. Cool. One thing I learned is almost everyone sucks at loading a shotgun. It was effing painful to watch these people cluster mess around trying to load a shotgun. I love you guys, but you suck at loading a shotgun, and it's painful <laughs> to watch. I'm just going to – this tonight's the episode where I tell it like it is. Practice. <laughs> You can't practice what you don't know how to do, Kelly. Well, you you, you have to have more frequent three-gun matches because, like, like loading a shotgun, loading a three-gun shotgun is a skill that you do not practice doing anything else. You don't practice it, duck hunting it. Well, yeah, except practicing it. You you have somebody teach you how to do it, and then you go practice it. Right, Mark? We'll come back to Mark later. (laughs) He doesn't even know how much trouble he's in. Um Anyway, the so the match only had 16 people. One of the cool parts was uh, Smoke on the Water showed up to do the barbecue. I told them to have food ready f- for between 20 and 30 people. I am still eating brisket. I kid you not, there's so much brisket came home with me that um, I sent some home with uh, Tresca, and I brought the rest home. And of course, Filthy showed up Friday night with 20 Filthy Burgers, thinking we would have a houseful on Saturday. There was like only four of us here on Saturday. Bill from Prince Edward Island stayed over, and Mark Andre hung out for a while, and then me and Filthy and Mark uh, Price, who's in a lot of trouble. It was uh, it was pretty quiet, and they had me cook them, so I ruined them, right? And uh, so between Filthy Burgers and brisket, I don't want to know what my cholesterol is at right now because all I've eaten is meat since Sunday. Um, unfortunately, three DQs. And that's high for 16 shooters. Yeah. yeah. We had one guy who was trying to shoot his guns through the window in the cabin on the boat. And he was shooting the window frame. Like, hide oh. over war much? <laughs> know what you're, you know? And uh, Jason just stopped him, said, stop. You're, you're disqualified. You're shooting into the boat, not at the target. You're done. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else got DQ'd how? Oh, AD. He was pumping his shotgun and just oh. too many things happening at once and just sent an AD downrange while not engaging a target. It's too bad. He's, he's, I don't want to say who he is, but anyway, he's an awesome guy, an amazing sport, great personality, great temperament, and you know he stayed and worked. It was his first first stage of the day, first shooter, and he got DQ'd. Oh, it was no. really, yeah, it was really unfortunate. Um, but he took it like a champ. Like he took the DQ the way you're supposed to take a DQ. Yep, I did it. This is what happened. It was wrong. I'm DQ'd. Let me go help. Give me a patch gun. So it was awesome. Um, and then myself, I got DQ'd. I was running my new Arsenal Strike One with my new Highlander Tactical Chronos Competition holster, and I didn't put any time into practicing with that holster i did some dry fire at home that's not enough the second i ran for the first time with the gun in the holster with the magazine it yep. came out i ah. didn't put enough tension on it 
and I there's I don't know if I sent you guys the video or not. I felt it coming out, and I reached for it, uh, which you really shouldn't do. You should just let the gun fall, but I was hoping to get it before the muzzle cleared the holster. No such luck, so James stopped me, and uh, that was that. We uh, I was done sorry. for the day and went to work, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah, that is what it is. My first DQ uh, since 2011, and... Whoa. uh yeah, <laughs> that's a long time. <laughs> well, you know, if you do, yeah, and you know, I, yeah, I, I guess you would hope to never ever get DQ'd. I know there are a lot of people that have a lot of DQs, and some people that have never been DQ'd. So hmm. this makes two for me, one for McClatchy. Uh, Muffin's only been DQ'd once with a in a three three gun match, so his Ipsic record remains clean. So. Anyway, uh, overall, it was, I don't know. I don't know. At the end of the season, like, uh, Muffin's squad was done before mine. And when we were done and got to the shack, everyone was gone. Nobody stayed around for the awards. I had a prize table set up with some prizes from X-Mental Targets because they sponsored the match. They just all left. Hmm. (laughs) It was one guy from Muffin's squad. Two guys from Muffin's squad stayed behind. The one that got DQ'd and the one that pretty much knew he was going to win. So, yeah. Anyway, it is what it is. That's the end of my club's matches. Now we got to go put all the stuff away from SummerSlam. And I've got a couple more matches left to go, and then a maple seed, and then I'm going to start shooting stuff, as in wildlife with a hunting license and a shotgun. The next day, Filthy and Mark Price and I and Snuffleupagus went to the range, and Bill went to the range uh yeah and bill and filthy worked on maple seed stuff which was really cool mark shot his grand power k100 quite a bit and then um i taught him how to reload a shotgun uh, off of the caddy one way of doing it uh, off the caddy and so he practiced that for a while and helped me shoot my new 870 clone that i won and actually his name isn't Mark. His name is Stable Boy. Uh, Stable Boy? Could, yeah, Stable Boy. Fred. Fred um, yeah, Fred, Fred's Squire traveling. Make it. Yeah. So since the Squire couldn't make it, I mean, Filthy's at such a... He's at a level now. Uh, yeah. Like, he's got a, a certain status about him. He doesn't need to carry his own equipment. That's Let's just face it. He is filthy. You're not. And he doesn't have to carry his own shit. So... Uh, Fred usually carries his stuff for him, and so he's the squire. We got thinking, this Mark guy, he's kind of low in the totem pole. He's very new. He doesn't even have a, he doesn't even have his own guns, and um, we didn't we we kind of felt that he didn't deserve the term squire until he at least earned it. And Filthy gave it to him bad. Like I mean, it was like Frost Week all over again, and Filthy was that alpha male Frost leader. Uh, and uh, Mark, who I think is older than Filthy, was his uh, was his freshman to to abuse. It was it was kind of hilarious. Um, at the end of the day, he had kind of proven himself and done enough and took enough abuse that we called him. Um, we we upgraded him from Stable Boy to Squire, but he's since been downgraded because of some of the things he's since done since the match is over. He's done a few things that we don't approve of, so we downgraded him back to Stable Boy. So anyway, Stable Boy was shooting my shotgun, 
And this was my 870 clone that I wanted the charity shoot. And imagine that, an 870 clone that uh, doesn't really chamber reliably or eject reliably. The extraction on these, uh, well, on this shotgun was so hard. Now, granted, some of it was the low brass steel cased Winchester Universal garbage. There's one that was jammed in the chamber so hard when I hit the pump against the front of the shooting bench, the extractor actually ripped the rim off of the case rather than pull the case out of the chamber. So um, I'm going. I ordered a 870 Volkortchen extractor, and if it doesn't fit in that bolt, I'll put it in my regular 870. And I don't know what I'll do with this. And also, my gunsmith Denise Renard has um, has uh, 870 chamber polishing tools so he's going to polish the chamber and we'll change the extractor and see if that makes it run that'll probably make so, it better uh, it's, it's probably just like a rough chamber that's causing those yeah. extraction problems i think so yeah rough yeah so we'll get it we'll get that cleaned up the rest of the shotgun is awesome the action is smooth the trigger is good so um we'll see if we can't get that sorted out um i also was given a some Brazilian-made single-shot 20-gauge shotgun. I brought that with me because I had never fired that yet, and I think I'm going to use it pretty much exclusively for hunting this year. And then I brought the E22 lever-action rifle that I got in that lot of a lot of nine guns that I bought a couple of months back or in the spring. So this is a Model 94 22 XTR. So it looks just like a 30-30, but it's in 22 long rifle and. Actually, it'll t it'll do everything from 22 short to 22 long rifle and 22 long as well. Uh, actually, don't quote me on whether or not it'll do long, but I know it does short and it does long rifle. Uh, I filled that sucker up with 22 shorts on Sunday. I don't even know how many I got in there. It must have been like 15 or 20. It was awesome. The gun shoots really well, groups really well at 20 yards with iron sights off the bench. It, it groups really well. Um, but it was shooting two inches to the right. So I'm going to go and see the gunsmith. He's got a front sight pusher. I'm going to get him to drift that front sight over to the right so that I can move the group to the left. Um, what else? I did some SummerSlam is ready to go. The stages have been started. The match sanctioning has begun. I've uh, just waiting for the regional director to, to give the green light on that. Uh, Ipsic New Brunswick has been notified of the dates. It's all over CGN. Um, Stacy, the Appleseed uh, Queen, Prince Princess. Princess sorry, Princess, sorry. Princess, yes. And um, anyway, she's working on the booklet. She's working on the registration sheet because she's a Microsoft publishing genius, and I can't spell the word publishing, so. She's helping me with that. She's actually getting too fancy. I'm like, it was fine the way it was. What are you doing? Like, stop. No, the, the font, the font's good. Like, go back to work. You got stuff to do. Yeah. Okay. All right. You don't like blue. That's just, fine. We'll change it. Just, just let her do it. I, she just wasting her time. She's putting, she's making it beautiful and people are practically going to wipe their butts with this thing. They don't care about the fine details. But where, she does. Where do I shoot? Where do I drink <laughs> beer? Where do I eat food? And where are the stages? That's all they want to know. So I just hate for her to put all this effort into making this beautiful booklet. Then the her talents are lost on these people is what I'm saying. So anyway, um, she's doing an outstanding job like she always does with everything, obviously. So so probably by the 
I think I'll open up registration in December because um, I really don't want to do anything in hunting season other than the hunting. I was asked to teach black badge. I'm not doing it. I'll do black badges in the spring. I want to get my club cleaned up and just hunt and relax for October. So uh, last week I sold the Tika that I put for sale. I put the Tika for sale and the Seiko for sale. The Tika sold within an hour. Well, the Seiko sold on Monday. And the guy already has it, and he left me a great review on CGN. Some sweet. positive, yeah, very sweet. I got I twenty five hundred bucks. I got what I was asking for it. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. That was a good deal. Yeah. Well, on that deal, I cleared over three thousand dollars profit. So I did. Uh, I was just going I did to say. good. <laughs> I mean, that's after like that's profit. I paid back what I paid for the guy, and then banked. Uh, three thousand one hundred and sixty-five bucks or something. So, so, where are you taking us on vacation? Actually, that's <laughs> taking uh, Christine and I to Vancouver next year. Aww. Yeah. You're gonna go. you're you're gonna stop in New Brunswick on the way over, though, right? I live not, in New Brunswick. Not, sorry, so. in Ontario. <laughs> no, but I am. Oh, Adriel. <laughs> yeah. We got to work this correctly. I, I we leave on the 9th of July. Adriel's making fun of me. You're planning next summer already. Yes. Yeah. And so we're flying yes. to Calgary. Then we're driving to Edmonton. If we can plan this correctly, Adriel, we'll teach a one-day class in Bonneville on the Saturday. And then Sunday or Monday, Christina will jump on the train and uh, we'll make our way to Vancouver. Yeah. So didn't know if we could do a Fralachi class, but if we plan this right, we'll do at least a one-day. Uh, maybe you and Matthew, if they want to do a two-day, you you can help Matthew with the second day and I'll and I'll help with the first day. Yeah, so sure. there may be... So, Somewhere around July 11th or 12th, somewhere around there, whatever that Saturday is. We'll see if we can work that out. I'll have to look closer at the calendar. We've got a year. Gun gun club meeting last night. They drew the tickets on the 22-250. Some local guy won. And then before the show tonight, I was working on my 10 Foglio. The magazines that I have aren't working. The rounds are sliding forward, and it's locking the mag in the gun when I try and eject it. So I tried polishing the inside of the slide hoping that maybe they wouldn't grip the top around quite so much. Uh, I don't know what to do other than find old school Tanful Glow mags. Well, I mean, the guy at Freedom Ventures is going to have a look at it, and we'll go from there. And tonight, before the show, I was case gauging some ammo for Saturday's match. So, how about you, Adriel? What, you, what did you do? Uh, let's see. Over the weekend here, I shot a three-gun match. I was ROing one of the, well, two of the stages. Uh, we had the full... Uh, the full range at Chaz uh, available to us. So we had three bays, I guess, running and uh, six stages total. Uh, I was tearing it up uh, when, it, when I actually got to shooting, except I got DQ'd on one of the stages. So <laughs> you weren't the only person to, to get DQ'd. Uh, it's too bad because I was taking, uh, like I took first on two or three stages and uh, my other stages weren't that bad either, so uh, I probably would have been like either first or second kind of a thing. Uh, we had another great shooter out of Saskatchewan out there tearing it up as well, and he got DQ'd as well. So <laughs> you know, it's just part of uh, part of going fast and part of having three guns and a lot going on is that uh, you know those things are, are possible. Uh, with mine, I I was finishing up a, a shotgun stage. 
I popped the safety on, I put it into a barrel that still had the rim on the inside, and I kind of bobbled it as I was putting it in, and the shotgun rolled around the rim of the uh, of the barrel and disengaged the safety. Uh, on the Browning A5, the safety is quite proud. It, it sits out quite a bit, and it must have just hit one of those edges on the on the barrel and uh, and put it off so uh, after the after the stage was done uh one of the guys uh, approached me and let me know hey your safety was off on your shotgun and it's like oh no <laughs> there goes the match <laughs> we had uh we had an issue with um putting a pistol into a retention device like a rubber made that was attached to a a, a table mm-hmm. and the pistol would turn and then end up pointing not Downrange, not uprange, but exactly on the 180, hmm. which was the direction the shooters were running. So the arrow would, would watch the pistol and then yell stop. And uh, we had to, it happened twice, so it was a range equipment issue, not how guys were putting them in. Because I know when my hand was off that gun, that pistol was pointed downrange. And the guy before me, same thing. And so we put a towel in there to stop that from happening. Hmm. One of the uh, one of the guys, uh, part of my three-gun club, uh the, he actually built these, uh, uh, not usually you can use like a barrel or something like that. That's at an angle. He built these boxes, uh, where you can, they're rubberized on the inside and there's mm-hmm. a slot for your shotgun slot for your rifle and slot for your pistol. So your pistol will not turn and it will be pointing down into the dirt. So it's, uh, it's super nice. safe. Um, those are all really good. And, and I, I'm really liking, uh, this is the first, uh, match we had after that Prairie, uh, Prairie fire match. And you could see it in the stage design. People were designing really fast stages, uh, lots of paper patching, uh, a little bit more um, Ipsic-ish, um, but still like still a lot of fun. And our shotgun stages, uh, the guy who designed it, them uh, really went for high round count, and I loved it. I, I love high round count shotgun stages because well, I've got the caddies for it, and I just like reloading. Uh, anyways, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I sold the Tika T3 that I bought last year for hunting, uh, and uh, I'm actually going to go meet a guy in two hours to uh, to sell that. Uh, I bought a hunting rifle. Uh, uh, I ended up going with a Mossberg Patriot. Um, <laughs> I took I took a buddy with me, and he's like, "Oh, there's there's better rifles. What, why don't you take a look at that one? <laughs> why don't you take a look at this uh, Savage over here?" And I don't think like. I had to like remind him like, no, this is like a lot of people are searching for this. A lot of people want to know about this rifle. Uh, so I'm not buying it because like, this is the absolute best rifle for my dollar right now. I'm buying it because a lot of people want to know about it. And uh, a lot of the reviews I've read on it are either too flowery. Uh, they don't talk about like the pros and cons on it. And uh, that's the piece that I want to add in. Uh, it's got a, incredibly cheap magazine and if you read all the top reviews right now on this rifle none of them none of them like call it out they're not calling out like hey this magazine looks like a uh, it belongs on a nerf gun right uh anyway so i bought that i've already mounted a uh like a target scope on it kind of a thing so i can take it to the range and sight it in i'll uh, i'll update on uh, on what that rifle is uh, maybe next week or the week after though because I haven't had quite a, a, a ton of time with it. Uh, and then it was on the uh, Urban Outdoorsman podcast. Uh, cool. Yeah, it's some guys out of uh, Toronto uh, who, who are uh, kind of going through, like, becoming an outdoorsman as, uh, as an urbanite. And, 
Yeah, so I was talking. That's hilarious. What does that mean? Take your man bun, your beard, and your, you know, your, never mind. Well, if you if you <laughs> want grass fed local uh, meat, uh, go hunting. <laughs> right at the Toronto Zoo. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, anyways, Callie, what what were you up to? I did not go to the SFRC last weekend. I uh, instead went to a women's self defense class. So it wasn't really about guns, but I'm now doing Krav Maga, so I get to disarm people. Ooh. It's awesome. And what else? I, on Sunday, I went to the range, and a bunch of us ladies went. We took a new shooter as well, and I hung out with Kelly Kincaid, who is also part of Kelly's Square, which means we're from Kingston, CCFR, everybody calls us Kelly's Square. Anyways, I got to shoot her. Um, she has a new Excalibur, uh, so I got to shoot that one. And I've shot them before, and I I actually really like them. So I might I'm thinking about even getting one, maybe potentially. And I got to also shoot her Sig 1911, which I liked as well. She tried out my Glock 17, and we brought Kevin along too because he had some really cool guns too. So he has an Enfield revolver that she got to shoot. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I got to shoot also a pink Chris Vector, which was really awesome, and. Uh, Kevin brought his C8 upper, which he put on an SS- SFRC lower. So, what yeah, we is got an sh- SFRC lower. So, the lowers that have SFRC stamped on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we he put the upper with the lower, and then we were able to shoot it. Cool. Because it was awesome. Yeah. And we spent almost four hours at the range. It was like. At f- we went at four, and we literally left when it was dusk. So it was awesome. And the other thing that I did too was I took pictures of maybe R ninety nine because I'm selling it. So I'm going to be putting it on Gunworks or sorry, Gun Nuts, and uh, and sell that because I'm thinking about buying a new shotgun. So, and that's all I did in guns this week. Awesome. Let's go ahead to the upcoming events then. Uh, first, uh, we've got some uh, three governor events. Uh, this weekend, there's going to be the... Uh, there's actually a, a couple of different events. The Ontario Action Shooting uh, is uh, is going to be having their final match and championship. There'll be the Valcartier Multigun match this weekend. Mighty Peace is running uh, their match on Saturday. Medicine Hat Rifle and Revolver Club will be running their match. And there'll also be the Northwest 3-Gun at the Terrace Rod and Gun Club. So... Lots of uh, lots of matches coming up this weekend. Uh, this Saturday, the 16th, is Beretta Day at the Calgary Shooting Center from 10 to 5. Uh, product reps will be on hand to promote Benelli, Tika, Seiko, Burris, Steiner, and, of course, Beretta. <laughs> They're going to be giving away a Beretta 1301 tactical shotgun as a door prize for the event. And uh, let's. there was another one that we had to read. Oh, there we go. Uh, the Canadian National Steel Challenge Championships are coming up uh, just real quick here. September 22nd to 24th, that will be at the BTSA and Homestead Ranges in Kananaskis, Alberta. Cost is $70 for the first gun, $30 for an additional gun. Shoot one day or both. May shoot up to two main match guns and rimfire. Uh, for more information on that, check out steelchallenge.ca. Uh, finally, why don't we go into the uh, news here. Uh, and the first one I had, I think you guys are aware of it, and we just got it before uh, coming on the air. Uh, wholesale Sports is shutting down. Yeah, no, that's not good. Yeah. 
Do, do you uh, guys have wholesale sports uh, in your area? I don't have one near me. No. We do not. Have you ordered it's online not one in from this them? Whole, I don't think there's one anywhere in Atlantic Canada. They're they're pretty much out west. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, like that's that was one of the big box stores that I used to just rely on uh, mostly. But uh, ever since Cabela's came into town, they've been like it clearly, um, you know, mowing their lawn. So it's, uh, I don't know. I feel, I, I, I don't know if I feel too conflicted about it because wholesale sports like had some, before they were purchased by UFA, they had uh, in, like some real bad inventory problems. Uh, their inventory problems cleared up. Cabela's came into town. Cabela's outmarketed them like bar yeah. none. Their events were better. Their marketing was better. Uh, their sales were better sometimes, but like typically wholesale sports would have good prices. They just wouldn't market them or, or let people know about them that often. Uh, so, you know, uh, <laughs> being a, a staunch <laughs> uh, business-focused guy, it's like survival of the fittest, you know, and, and, and Cabela's was fitter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, for for anyone yeah, looking to pick the bones, uh, <laughs> they'll be they'll be <laughs> selling things up to thirty percent off starting Friday, in store only, no guns and ammo, including the included in that thirty percent off though. So uh, you'll have to be in store to uh, to see what kind of deals they have. Lame. Yeah, <laughs> they're not motivated. <laughs> well, if if they had better like better sales on their guns or something like that, sure. But yeah, yeah I don't know. When I went down to when I went down to Ohio a couple of weeks ago, I stopped in at Gander Mountain and picked up a bunch of stuff there too. Same thing happened to them. They got outbid by Cabela's and and sh- and shut down. It's it's that seems to be what's happening. But I did pick up some good, you know, boots and different things too. So sales, yay! But boo, they're closing down. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Too bad. I don't know. I mean. There. Like I see, I see good stores uh, being busier than ever. So it's uh, you know survival of the yep. fittest. Yep. Uh, next up, the uh, uh, CZ Raven Eye is uh, is coming. So I don't know if you guys saw this one here, but it's basically a, a rear sight that's a, a peep that you can use to replace your uh, your rear sight on your C. Oh, sorry, pardon me, CZ eight five eight or fifty eight or CZ. whatever. <laughs> I like peep sights. Yeah, I do too. I don't. I don't know what it would be like as a, as a rear sight replacement, but uh, it's mm. kind of interesting, anyways. Those will be right around fifty, sixty bucks, kind of a thing. I imagine the sight picture will be similar to when you put the peep sight on the back of an SKS using the uh, dust cover. Uh, no, think, those that, that's longer. Sense. That's that's a much longer sight radius because this other one is just replacing the rear sight. So it's oh, uh, it's, it's kind of in the middle. On the dust cover. No. Nope. Well, that's kind of pointless. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I well, you know I I really like peep sights where you've got a really long uh, yeah uh, sight radius, sight radius exactly. and typically that you need that peep sight like way at the back and uh, and mm-hmm. your f- front post right at the front. So I don't know. I concur. Me too. All right. I actually do. Uh, I Run Guns is now offering ammo in the Canadian market. Uh, so <laughs> this is kind of interesting because I think there's a lot of, like just for your general stuff, you're not going to find like a fantastic deal here. But I think there's a lot of ammo that uh, that they have in the U.S. that we just don't have enough of a demand for here for anyone to carry like a lot of it. That Such as? 
I would <laughs> – here's, here's my silly example. Uh, Lightfield makes uh, a three-and-a-half-inch slug that I really want to try. What? <laughs> yeah. And, like, and I, heck, if you can find them here in Canada. I, like, uh, Ammo Supply had them for a little bit, and then they were all gone, and I have not seen them since. But it would be like a horrible shoulder-crushing slug that I really want to try. <laughs> hmm. All right. Yeah. So maybe that you kind know of who stuff. else sells ammo? Who? Just what? I said, do you know who else sells ammo? Oh, X Metal Targets. Right. <laughs> do they have Thanks. three and a half inch oh, slugs? Like, yeah. They have. They have. I shut up. That's it. what they have. Yeah. Buckets and buckets of shut up. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next one here. Uh, yes. The next one is uh, actually the uh, uh, CZ Scorpion Evo threes. They're starting to come in. Uh, Tenda has them available for pre-order for twelve seventy-five. So, have you shot one? Nope, I haven't even seen one. Uh, I shot one at the um, CZ X Metal Targets Day at the end of uh, Nationals in Calgary. And mm. it's a cool little pistol caliber carbine, right? Yeah, I just. Why didn't they make it? Well, of course, they made it for the world, not for Canada. But it's just too bad that we didn't have a Canadian version that took a pistol mag. Especially now, there's a pistol version out there. But if the pistol version that they have uses the same mag as the rifle version, we won't be allowed to have 10-round mags. They'll pull the whole 10.22 argument on us, the charger pistol. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Hold yeah. on. No, that might not be the same argument. No. I don't think so. Anyways. No, we should actually be good. Yeah, I think we'll be good. Uh, the next one that we have here is the uh, Tavors or Star, like, really going on sale. Uh, Bullseye Sports has them for $2,049 uh, with free shipping. So if you ever wanted to get a Tavor, now's the time, I guess. Like, these were, what, going for 2400 2500 before? Is this the X95 or the Gen 1? The Gen 1. The Well, the, the Tavor and the, the X95 is the new shortened, compact one. The Tavor is the older, um, bigger one, I guess. But, uh, uh, yeah, the older one. Uh, the Tar 21. Two grand, anyways, okay. for a non-restricted semi-auto bullpup. That's uh, pretty good. That's not, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen these before or not, but... Uh, W- Wanstalls has these. Oh, did I say it wrong? Wan- Wanstalls. 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 There we go. As, I knew it as soon as I said it. <laughs> Wanstalls has tactical walls. Have you guys seen these? I like them. They're they look very so cool. Nice. It looks like you know what? It looks like something that you would have in a very stylish home, modern home, like the European styling, minimalist, right? And then inside of it, you got your cache of weapons. Yeah, it's but John awesome. Wick, John, you like your <laughs> very nice looking yeah. house, but John Wick everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. you know those tables that have the the gun shelf that drops out of it. You have a lamp that you crush, and then in the middle of it, you can get your Glock. Yeah, you know, tissue box, and inside the tissue is hidden your, you know, your Derringer. It's okay, really but cool. are they are they lockable? Yeah, but I don't know. I didn't get, I didn't get that far. <laughs> I said on. RFID locks, so that would be like a wireless key fob kind of a thing. 
which might be cool. You could put a lock on it. Which I'm sure you could. You could big old drill with a great big heel. Yeah. Yeah, it won't do anything to the illusion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just put a big chain on there with a big ugly master lock. Yeah. <laughs> they look no. really nice. Yeah, they're really Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh so those were uh those were kind of interesting. Uh the next one I had down here was the uh TC compass that uh that North Pro has on sale. So this is a uh, bolt action hunting rifle. They've got them on for 487 plus there's an additional $75 mail-in rebate. So if you're looking at a hunting rifle, there's those out there. That's a good price. I'm a fan of the Thompson Centers. I really am. Yeah, it seems that they're still trying to figure out what to do with their bolt action rifles because this is, I don't know how many models they have, three, four, five? Um, Icon, Venture, Dimension. I'm pretty sure there's that more. That many, wow. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they, they, seem like, uh, they seem like good rifles. Uh, the uh, this one is is kind of interesting interesting to me because of the uh, the cartridge it comes in. Profit River is bringing in the Ruger American Predator in six millimeter Creedmoor. I thought that was really interesting because uh, that's supposed to be an excellent cartridge for for really long range um, uh, uh, your practical sniper competitions and that kind of thing. Yep. And it yep. would also be interesting for deer at short to medium range as well. So. Very interesting. Or coyotes, for that matter. 700 bucks, not bad, too. Yeah. Oh, did I tell you guys how much I paid for that uh, that Patriot? Nope. It was 450 and it's in 6.5 Creedmoor. I think that's got to be the cheapest 6.5 Creedmoor there is in Canada right now. Mm. Really? Yeah. Mm. The, the Savage Axis is supposed to be in 6.5 Creedmoor, but I haven't seen any of them around. And the last one we have here was uh, Tenda Canada has their... Uh, uh, another one of their sales going on, and they've got uh, one of the ones I noticed there. They had nine millimeter uh, CCI Blazer brass for two fifty nine per thousand. Yeah, I said yeah. Plus shipping. Yeah. Plus, plus shipping. shipping. Yeah. Plus shipping. So there. You know, they also have some cool guns here. Um, there's a CZ five twenty seven carbine, carbine. Sorry, carbine with iron sights, chambered in seventy six two by thirty nine. Yep, Mossberg Maverick. Did you see the um, Mossberg MVP? MVP where? White chassis, eighteen and a half inch. Oh yeah, no, they uh, can keep that. Right Mossberg bolt action rifles are junk. Um, okay. <laughs> Thanks, jeez, I just bought one. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't. Uh, yeah, should have asked. Um, <laughs> Smith and Wesson MMP fifteen Sport two, seven hundred bucks. That's not yep. bad too. They have just flooded the Canadian market with those rifles. Everybody's got them. Yep. It's their back-to-school sale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was last Ooh, week. Molson 9130 Sniper. I, I wonder if it's yeah. a real one. Mr. Millsurp. Eight, <laughs> 850. It's got to be a real one. Oh, Trevor, you've come a long way. Uh, <laughs> I reserve the right to change my um, interests whenever I feel like it. Squirrel. There we go. All right. And speaking of... The, uh, uh, M14, M305 for 670 or 660. That's good. Yeah. It's the hard shorty to believe too. that they used to go for 399, right? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't we go on to the main topic? Okay. 
So on tonight's show, we would like to welcome Rob Foote. He is going to be talking to us all about goose hunting, because guess what? It's right around the corner. Hi, Rob. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you guys? We're pretty good. Now, Rob's actually an avid Slamfire Radio listener, um, but he's also a member of the CCFR and an avid goose hunter. What else can you tell us about yourself, Rob? Oh, I don't know. I've been a hunter and a shooter since I was old enough to have a gun. Um, so that's going on probably close to 40 years. Well, maybe not 40, 35 years. Um, got a couple of kids that are kind of interested. My son's gone home. My daughter, she likes to come to the range on occasion if it's not too early. Uh, and I have a very supportive wife of all my hobbies, although she's not a shooter, but that's okay. Um, that's about it. Hunting and shooting. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And, one of the reasons why I contacted you to see if you would like to come on and talk about goose hunting is because you're offering to help uh, co-host, I guess, with um, Kelly Kincaid from the CCFR as well. They're, you guys are putting out a an offer to females to go out and hunt in our area, do a goose hunt in our area, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's... Uh, I think at the end of the month we're going to be drawing for that too, so if anybody is listening and they'd like to enter into that they can do that just by uh contacting info at ccf or sorry firearms rights uh, ca and you can enter into that but it's only for ladies and only ladies that can get to the kingston ontario area too so so tell us rob um what do you need to do in order to prepare for a goose hunt what type of equipment are you going to be needing just basically we want to talk about um, what we need yeah, first and foremost, you got to have your basic license. So I, I know Ontario, that's my home province. I don't know the others, but you need, of course, your valid small game hunting uh, license. And you also have to have the migratory bird permit, which is a federal stamp. Some people just call it the federal duck stamp, uh, which you purchase at the post office, I think. I just got mine, obviously, for this year. And I think they're, I don't know, 20 bucks or 25 bucks or something like that. Yeah, you can get that um, in. So you've got to have that. Yeah, so once you're properly licensed, I mean, it depends if you're going entirely on your own, then you would want to have some, probably some decoys and a call. Uh, a place to go is key um, in goose hunting, for sure. Like a lot of hunting, scouting is everything. The hunt takes place, you know, if you're having a hunt on a Saturday morning, the real work was probably done on Thursday and Friday to get that location uh, figured out. Now, this is field hunting in particular is kind of my preference. Um, a lot of people traditionally hunt ducks and geese on the water. Yep. And in that case, you don't necessarily have to do as much scouting. The geese will generally be heading back to the water to roost, you know, mid-morning and then again in the evening. Um, but what we'll be doing with the ladies for the CCFR is, is a field hunt. I used to hunt water when I was younger and I think I got my feet wet for the last time about 15 <laughs> or 20 years ago and uh, just enjoy the field hunting now so um, but uh, for people coming you know with somebody who's already equipped like in the case of their, our guests for CCFR proper license some camouflage clothing camouflage hat a face mask is fairly important for goose hunting they you want to try to be hidden and of course, a shotgun loaded with non-toxic shot. We have to deal with that now. So either steel shot or one of the various extremely expensive alternatives. Right. 
Uh, Steel Shock's the most popular. A lot of people use that. You can buy you know, tungsten matrix and bismuth and various ones, but I, I don't think they're particularly necessary. Which one do you use, sir? Are you a um, Steel Shock kind it. of a guy? I'm a Steel Shock guy, yeah. I don't like to pay $3 every time I pull the trigger. <laughs> so uh, I tend to call the geese in close enough that I can do it for $0.50 cents or, or a dollar. Right. That's kind of the key. I, I find getting the geese into a proper range is important and really putting your pellets where they need to be. Um, you know, I've seen people that, that struggle shooting and they buy different chokes. They you know, can be extreme and buy different guns. They buy more expensive shot. They go out and buy, you know, tungsten shot. If you're not hitting the goose, it doesn't matter what you're throwing out there. Uh, I find steel shot is perfectly acceptable. Um, sometimes there's a split-second delay from the time you shoot the goose to the time it realizes it's dead, but uh, you get used to that pretty quickly, and it's it's quite minimal. It's certainly not like the lead. The old lead days, you knew as soon as you pulled the trigger what was going on, but with steel, um, it works great, but yeah, some people curse it. I don't curse it, but you just work within its limitations. Yeah. Now, what what size shot are you using? Are you a BB guy or like a, a number one, number two? I'm a huge fan of number one. I'm, I'm an in-between guy. I loved fives in the lead days. You know, most people are four or six. I had to be different and shoot fives. <laughs> um, I like ones for geese. I, I'm just an odd numbers guy, I guess. And uh, um, you're shooting, shooting three and a half inch? Uh, no, I used to shoot three and a half inch. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with three and a half inch if you don't mind shooting it and paying for it, um, which it's not a whole lot more. But I'm, I'm shooting three inch again, and um, oh, that's man. quite sufficient. I, I have friends that shoot two and three quarter because that's all they're done shoots. And yep. again, it's, it's a matter of putting the shot on the target accurately. I, Once you start doing that, like it, it takes care of your big gun problem. I just got rid of a unfired mint condition Beretta A303, and oh, I was nice. told that it was practically obsolete, and I wouldn't get much for it because it was chambered in three inch. Um, you know the mainstream, the popular, like the guys that are getting into goose hunting. Like, let's back up and see. The stereotypical goose hunter is teenage. You know, late teens guy, maybe he's getting into his early 20s. A lot of them, you know, diesel trucks and big tires, of course, they're going to have a three and a half inch shotgun. Right. You get a little older, you get a four door truck, you maybe don't need mud tires anymore. You also don't need three and a half inch. You just realize that it's not really that important. A303, that was actually the first semi automatic shotgun I bought when I was about 16. I researched it to death and bought a A303 back in the day. And nice. couldn't shoot it to save my life and traded it away. So that was yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know about shotgun fit in those days. Um it was uh oh I'm telling you it was mint, unfired, beautiful. Um I got I sold it for eight hundred and fifty bucks, something like that. Yeah, that's about the going the going rate, which honestly that's that's what they sell for and they're a bargain at that because cool. the newer, bigger, better, three and a half, like I say, you know, I'm shotguns now. You're paying 1500 and up. If you're 
Mm-hmm. If you need to have your gun say Benelli on the side of it, you're over two thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great guns. I mean, they're they're super guns, but you're paying a premium for the name. And a gun like that Beretta A303, they're fantastic guns, but they're old school. So they just don't bring the money that the new camo dipped Super Magnum brings. Rob, what are you what are you shooting? What what shotgun um, are you using? I sh- I currently I'm I'm shooting one of the new Browning A5s, oh, okay. uh, which is new for me this year. Yeah, they're, I'm a little nostalgic. I mean, I had A5 way back in the day when when the whole world moved. Every time you pulled the trigger, you remember those. Um, they were great guns. I was shooting a Beretta Extrema 2, 3.5 inch. I shot um, that for many years for waterfowling. Excellent, excellent gun. In my personal opinion, maybe one of the best made for reliability um, you know, durability, they're just super, super guns. But I've got a friend in the U.S. who's a browning rep, and I go down there every year and we shoot sporting clays, and it's lovely because he opens his massive browning safe and the lights come on and the angels <laughs> sing, and he says, what do you want to shoot this year? Because he always has all the new stuff. And a couple of years ago, I saw the A5 smiling at me, and I said, hey, that's uh, everything old is new again. Let me try that. And I shot it really well, and I kind of wanted one ever since, so... Um, I stumbled across one recently and, and bought it. So I'm shooting that now, and so far this season, it's going very well. So I'm enjoying that gun. And it's a three-inch gun, and that's specifically what I wanted because I want it to cycle target loads if I shoot right. sporting clays and such with it. So. Yeah, I opted for the uh, but, uh, opt- yeah. for the, uh, the three-and-a-half-inch three version, but not, not to shoot geese, uh, just to shoot clays and steel and other stuff in three-gun. <laughs> yeah. How, now, have, have you shot target loads with that? And how does it cycle? All sorts. And uh, excellent. It's uh, I use uh, typically Good. like a handicap target load in it, uh, just for a little bit yeah. more oomph. Yep. And it's it cycles yep. flawlessly. Yeah, I've Good got stuff. a three-and-a-half-inch Versamax, and I don't know if it makes a difference that it's gas operated or not but uh i shot a match with it this weekend or part of a match with um one ounce hand loads using active hulls and these were these were game rounds like you wouldn't try and shoot a squirrel with these things just so that i could you know <laughs> have low recoil rounds and work flawless it really it did eh? i thought you were about to tell me it didn't work so well with that light of a load that's that's good yeah, the, yeah, I mean, the gas guns are good. Certainly the, the inertia or the recoil guns may need a little more whack. Mine shoots mm-hmm. one ounce, okay. But, um, but yeah, and it, it doesn't really matter so much what you use. Um, like four goose hunting, they, two and three quarter inch works fine. Three inch is great. Three and a half inch is even greater. If you like it, fill your boots. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, one thing you don't want to do Another thing I see a lot of people doing is over-choking your gun. A lot of people think, you know, they go out and buy, I won't name brands, there's a bunch of them, but, you know, X brand or Y brand, the super tight, you know, now guys are buying chokes that have a, a specified constriction, like a 675 or a 670, or, and they're really getting hardcore about shooting a wickedly dense pattern because they want to be able to kill geese far. And that's nice but if you're if you've got a pattern that'll that'll kill a goose at 50 or 60 yards 
you're throwing softballs at them when they're in the decoys at 20 yards. So mm. a lot of guys overtilt right their them. guns. And then, yeah, or, or that's the other thing. If you do hit them, you, you kind of mangle them. And, you know, we're shooting them to eat them. There's no joy in tearing them to pieces. But so I see guys doing that as well. They, they get a big three and a half inch, which is fine. And then they choke it really tight so they can shoot really far. And then they struggle. They come out with somebody that really knows how to hunt geese. And we call them in to decoys, and they're shooting reasonably close. And they have a tough time because uh, they just got too much choke. And, of course, the larger steel shot, as a general rule of thumb, the larger shot size you go with, the tighter the pattern tends to be. I don't really understand the physics behind it, but it seems to be consistent that if you take the same choke and shoot like a number four steel or a number two steel and then switch to a BB, it's going to tend to shoot a little bit tighter with a larger shot. Oh, that's so interesting. guys just exacerbate their problem. That, that's Maybe it's an old wives' tale, I don't know, but I've kind of seen that um, myself. And some of the choke companies actually tell you that, you know, for certain shot size, this is modified, but for a different shot size, it's an improved modified if you go larger. So they have a bit of a rating. But, but be aware of that. For, for people that want to get into goose hunting, um, don't overchoke yourself. If you're, if you're a good wing shot, modified is usually a good, a good choke. If you're not so great, but you think you're going to have good chances at shooting close, improved cylinder shooting steel um, generally shoots a lovely pattern that, you know, your 25 to 35 yard range, you're, you're just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, three guns, not, not nearly the same thing as goose hunting, but uh, I went from modified to uh, improved cylinder just at the last two matches that I've been to. And uh, just with the speed of shooting that we're doing, I noticed that I was able to hit stuff that I wasn't really, really on uh, just because the improved cylinder is just giving me a little bit more of a wider pattern. And, and I could, I could tell the difference. I broke some clays that I didn't think I was going to break. Yeah. Well, if you're shooting clays off a stick, it doesn't take much to break them. If they're putting poppers up for you at 30 yards, it might be a different game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, wanted to put, put a good load of shot on it. So. Rob, if you're yes. so you're going to be going out and scooting, uh, scooting, scouting out a field. What are you looking for? <laughs> what like? Are you looking for anything particular? Mm. Like, or yeah. Yeah, I, I could be a, a smarty and say I'm looking for geese, but you <laughs> know what we're looking for. The, the geese, um, they're creatures of habit for the most part. Yeah. Um, they roost on water at night, and then they'll loaf. Sometimes they'll loaf on water during the day. Some guys call it a day roost. Sometimes they'll loaf in the field. But generally speaking, I like to go out and scout in the morning. So you really know where your geese are going to be coming from if you know your area. Okay. They roost on water, so they're going to roost on, obviously, rivers and lakes, but they'll roost on ponds. They'll, uh, in our area here, and I know other friends that hunt in different areas of Ontario, even flooded quarries can hold decent mm -hmm. amounts of geese. So you might have a, a hundred or, or more geese using a quarry. And what the geese do is they're coming out to feed in the morning typically in a, a cut green field of some kind, whether it's uh, like a, a wheat or oat or barley or something that's early on that's been cut. Uh, they'll go and feed in hay fields, grass fields, before we get some frost. They'll just pick grass. Um, but they're generally coming into a cut crop field, so you're not going to see them obviously going and landing in 
standing corn or a, a you know soybean that's not cut. They're going to be looking for a cut field. So if you know where your geese roost, then you want to catch them going to feed. You can either go a little bit later and you can check fields. Like if you have permission to hunt in a particular field or fields, you can go and watch the field to see if there's geese coming to it. Uh, what we tend to do, I mean, we know our area very well now. So I, the geese tend to use the same fields over and over, which is interesting that there's some fields they don't go into very often. And there's others they'll go into even after the farmers plowed it. I don't know if they're just conditioned to use those fields, but, um, but what you're wanting to do is catch those geese to find out where they're going feeding. And a lot of times what we'll do is park on a hill in an area where maybe I can see off in one direction. I know there's a, a one roost, a pond or a lake or a quarry, and then maybe another direction. Obviously here we've got Lake Ontario, uh, you've got the St. Lawrence, Cataraqui River. And watch some flocks of geese coming out. Like if you don't know where they're going, you can see a flock of geese and chase them. Um, obviously, if you see a lot of geese going in the same direction, you kind of move over that way. So sometimes scouting can take, take a couple of days. Like you might see, you know, there's a lot of geese going somewhere in this block between, you know, these four roads, but you can't quite figure out where. But once you're close enough, the next morning you sit a little closer and then maybe you find the field they're going into. Like not all fields are visible from the road. They could be pitching in behind some trees and there could be a there could be a hundred acre field in there that you can't see from the road um, you met- so that's what we're trying to do is figure out where they're going so that we know we can be there when they come out to feed in the morning right you mentioned a thing that you probably should do uh, find out from the landowner if you can be on their land it's uh, i've heard some absolutely not so good stories about that. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some people that have made mistakes and give us, give us a bad name, but generally yeah. speaking, um, if you see these in the field, now it's different in Ontario. I hunted in Saskatchewan and in Saskatchewan, if it's not posted, you're good to go, which is a very interesting, uh, situation where you're, we, we always ask because we're creatures of habit and we don't want to be even in Saskatchewan, I don't want to set up in a field and then have someone else show up to hunt or have the farmer come in to till his field and, you know, I'm in his way. But in Ontario, you've got to have permission yeah. for private land. I mean, of course, we're talking about private land hunting. If you're going to be on a crop field, it's, it's private land. Um, a lot of farmers are, I mean, I've found the majority of farmers are, are very welcoming. Um, certainly if they know you, like it, if they, if you're coming into freelance hunt and you're from out of an area and they don't know you, they don't know your vehicle, you don't know anyone locally, they might be a little bit cooler. But around here, we we stop um, and say, you know, we got there's geese in such and such a field. Would it be okay if we go? And generally speaking, they're really good uh, about permission. I have a sheet of paper I keep with me that I I find really handy for farmers that don't really know me. It's got a description of my truck, my license plate, my name, my phone number, my home address, my email address, and a little, a couple little rules. Like, you know, I'm always going to ask permission. I never drive where I'm not supposed to. Beware of livestock. Leave gates the way you find them. Just kind of leave it with people. Um, so they're, a, they're not just given permission to rob at the door. They're given permission to uh, a guy and like, oh, well, here's all this information. And if I have a problem with them, he's making himself available. So I know he's not going to be a, a Yahoo and be out of here after one hunt kind of thing. Right. 
So, so yeah, permission is is critical. Without farmers, you know, you wouldn't be goose hunting in fields. But a lot of guys, when I was mentioning hunting the water, a lot of guys do that because they don't have permission on any fields. So, and uh, you know, that can be a reason to to want to be on public public water. Obviously, right. the the water's generally public. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so once you've found the geese and you've got permission, it's just a matter of, you know, setting up with some decoys and, and being well hidden and doing how some calling and kind of... How many decoys do you think you usually put out? Like, how many do you need, do you think? Um, it depends a little on the season. It depends a little on where you are. Now, talking specifically about Canada geese, snow geese are an entire different animal. Mm-hmm. Um Canada geese, early season, I mean, again, when we were younger, we used to hunt over a couple dozen decoys. If you have six decoys, go hunting. You know what? You, you may get a couple, not may, you probably get a couple of geese. Um, we run now anywhere from 100 to 150, Okay. depending on where we are. We'll run up over 200 at times if we put everything out, if we're uh, doing what we're calling running traffic. Um, when we're trying to find a field where the geese are feeding and we're setting up to be there where they're coming in, um, a lot of times you don't need as many decoys. You kind of want to mimic what you're seeing. Like, yeah, you don't want the geese to come over. If they're used to seeing 300 geese in the field feeding because they've been using the field every day, you don't want them to come over the trees and see, you know, eight decoys that can, that can throw them off a little bit. But um, generally... We run about 100 to 150 in the early season, unless we're running traffic, as we call it, which is where you're not in a field where the geese are specifically feeding, but you're in an area where you know there's going to be geese flying around, and you put out more decoys because you want to be really visible and get their attention and maybe make them think there must be something really great going on in that field. And maybe they haven't been going to that field on their own, but they'll be susceptible to suggestion if it looks like everybody's having a good time over there. Party on that field. <laughs> That's right. Party. Can you uh, can you talk a little bit about the blinds and the types of calls that you use yeah. and bands and what happens when you get a goose with a band? Yeah. Um, calls is, is pretty much all the calls now are what's referred to as a short read style. They become popular. Uh, flutes used to be more popular. The the old uh, old calls. I don't know if you remember the old old. Um, you couldn't do much on those. That was fancy. But a lot of the um, a lot of the calls you buy now are, are they're a short read calls. So they're a fairly short barrel. They've got a an insert with a reed. And you can do some minor adjustments on the reed, uh, but they allow you to do a lot of you know pretty good see sounds you're not limited to just making a honk like you were with the old-fashioned calls so you can do honks and clucks and double clucks and moans and lots of different noises that as, as you get to really understand the geese a little bit you can get a little bit fancy um that's a whole new topic on its own and, and i mean anyone that's interested in it nowadays with the computer you get on youtube and search you know goose calling goose calling how to there's a wealth of information to get you started um, calling doesn't have to be fancy. You know, you see some videos of guys that are uh, contest calling, and it's just incredible. I mean, there's guys that can go up on a stage and sound like 40 geese, and it's just crazy. Uh, don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to sound that way to have a great goose hunt. Uh, 
if you're not in the right field and you're not set up well, you can sound like 40 geese and you're not going to get anything. If you, it's all about being in the right area. Uh, calling doesn't have to be super fancy. Um, the blinds, the blinds have changed a fair bit over the years. Uh, when I started, we would lay right in the field with a piece of burlap over our legs and our chest. We used to hunt with big magnum shell decoys, they call them, and we would just set one on our legs or across our stomach to break up our outline. Worked fantastic. Great when you're 20-something and you're impervious to cold and your back doesn't get sore. Yeah. But doing that for any period of time really starts to get old. So um, are you using the, so uh, the redneck recliner? <laughs> We we do use those like the coffin style blind. You mean? Yep. Yeah. Uh, field blind or coffin blind? Yeah. Those are the thing for a while, and there's a lot of people still caught in that rut. So let me uh, let the secret out on that. Geese are smart. The, the Canada geese now, um, the population's been continuously climbing, and what happens with that is there's kind of a natural selection that goes on. That um, the, yes, geese are, the dumb are, ones the are getting shot. The gooses. Yeah, and you know what? It hap- what happens is um, it used to be the geese would certainly in early season would fly in family groups. You know, four, five, six, seven, eight geese, maybe ten, and they would decoy right in, and we would wipe them out. So you'd have eight geese come in, eight geese would die. Nobody learned anything, um, and then there was geese that maybe were happier for some reason flying with 20 other buddies. You can't kill 21 geese in a go. So you have 20 geese decoy, you know, you kill eight. 12 just got an education. Yep. So the geese that that were more comfortable flying in a group are the ones that were surviving just by luck. Like all 20 of them would say, yeah, that looks great. Let's go there and feed. Bang, bang, bang. Six of you are gone. 14 just went, what just happened there? We won't do that again. And they, they survive by luck. Same way guys that hunt pheasants talk about the frustration of pheasants that run. You know, their dog can't put the pheasant up. It won't flush up to give you that nice flying pheasant shot. And it's biology at work. The pheasants that run survive and pass on their genes. The pheasants that fly get shot and they make a nice photo and they don't pass on their genes. So the geese that started to fly in big flocks kind of started to survive and I'm, I am not a biologist and maybe I'm totally at the lunch but I think it's kind of got the ball rolling for geese to be more often more comfortable in larger flocks uh, and now of course that the goose numbers are really almost out of control that becomes the norm like we're seeing now opening day of early season flocks of 50 geese come into the decoys that was unheard of 15, 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, early season, they'd filter into the roost in little family groups, and it was awesome. You, you, you know, you shoot your limit one family group at a time. Now you could have 100 geese on a roost, and they all come at once. So you get one tear, and you're done. You're done. Yep. That, that Make roost. hay while the sun shines. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So um, the blinds now, the, the geese used to be geese were afraid of fence lines because that's where everybody was hidden was in a fence line. And then we got into these field blinds. We, uh, you know, I was, as far as I know, one of the first in my area. It's not like I invented them, but to have these field blinds. We had geese, like, almost literally landing on the blinds. So we, we came back from our first few hunts with field blinds. Like, I had a buddy that owned them, and he brought them. 
And uh, I was trying to convince my other friend, I said, you know, we should get some. They're 500 bucks each. He was like, 500 bucks? Come on, man. We're hiding the fence line. We get all the geese we want. Then we went on our first hunt with these blinds and had geese literally landing on the blind, like hitting your hat with their wings. And we were so giddy and giggling. It was so awesome. We bought field blinds. And for years, we, like, we would shoot geese too close. Like, you would sit up to shoot at a flock of geese, and you would ignore the ones at 5 yards and ignore the ones at 10 yards and shoot the ones at 25 and 30 yards because there were some just too close. The geese now are on to the field blinds. The geese now are looking for people hiding in the decoys. So what we're finding is we're starting to get away. We're getting back to the fence lines, back to the ditches, um, trying to get out of sight. It's all about being hidden. You can hide a field blind like in in uh, combine corn, you know, where it's 18 or 24 inches tall, and there's lots of there's lots of crap on the ground. You can hide your grate. But we used to drag a field blind out and lay it on a flat grain field, put a little stubble in the straps, and kill geese. You do that now, and you unless it's a ideal conditions like a windy day and cloudy, you're going to struggle because geese they're looking for you and they're going to see you. Um, so we we hunt out of field blinds when it's appropriate. We hunt out of a ditch when it's appropriate. Hunt out of a fence line. Standing corn is fantastic. Um, to hide in. Like this time of year, you may have cut green immediately adjacent to standing corn. So it's now all about being hidden with geese. And the field blinds, you've got to watch. They're, they're super cool to hunt out of. <laughs> they're comfortable. You can sleep in them. But um, if you just throw one down on a flat field and put some decoys around you, it, it's going to be tough. It, it's not the 90s anymore. And these geese are, they've all got educations at this point. Yeah. What about the bands? No, Trevor was asking about the bands. So what happens if you do shoot a goose and it has a band? Uh, well, after you're done arguing with your buddies over who shot it. <laughs> you, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, the, the bands are put on um, for biologists to track migration. So what they do is they're, they put aluminum bands on with uh, numbers, uh, usually it's Canadian Wildlife Service. I know Ducks Unlimited employees were putting some on in our area, but they'll ban the geese so that as those geese are, you know, typically harvested through hunting or, you know, in some cases hit by a car. <laughs> I picked one up that way. He's, you know, he'd pull over and go, hey, look, it's banded bonus. Um, they'll collect that information because they want to know where was the goose banded and where did it travel to when it was shot. I mean, what they know at this point is there's a huge population that does not migrate in this area. Um, so what you do when you get a band is there's, um, you can go online or you can phone it in the last, I, I got one on Saturday and I went online. I forget what it is like reportband.com. It's, uh, just Google it. But you punch in the information, where you shot the goose, and um, they'll send you a little certificate showing where and when the goose was banded, you know, the sex of the goose, male, female, uh, and give you a, a little idea of age. They All they can tell you is if it was a juvenile when they banded it or if it was an adult. So it doesn't give you a lot of information. But typically we're shooting bands that are banded like just across the lake in New York or just down the highway at the Upper Canada Goose Sanctuary. But sometimes you shoot one that's, you know, banded in Ohio or Texas or, you know, and that's, that's pretty cool. It's kind of neat just to to think of how far some of these geese have 
and haven't traveled it. I mean, the haven't is interesting. You know, a story from probably 15 years ago. I um, they used to put what's called a tarsal band on geese as well. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but a goose would have two bands. He'd have the aluminum band on one leg, and then on the other leg they would have a plastic band with a letter and two numbers. So it'd be like J65 or something. Different colors. But the idea of those is they could be read through binoculars if you're close or scopes. So they could collect information on the whereabouts of that goose without it having to be shot. So bird watchers could could contact and say, hey, I saw a goose with a tarsal band, a red tarsal band, number A52, and they can get some information from that goose. So they were kind of a big deal. Well, we shot a goose one year in a field, uh, and it had a tarsal band on it, and the number was, I can't remember now, I'll make it up. It was like J50. Five years later, in the exact same field, we shot another goose with a tarsal band. And when we picked it up, my buddy looked at it, it was A51. He said, you know, I think the one we got five years ago was just one number off. And he looked it up, and it was one number sequentially off. So that goose was banded the exact same exact same time as a goose that we had shot in the exact same field five years earlier. So that tells you right there, these geese are so set in their ways and patterned. If you've got a goose coming to the same field probably every year for five years and gets killed, you know, within a hundred yards of where his buddy did five years earlier, it just, it kind of gives an idea of what, I would suspect these biologists are seeing that they're very set in their ways, and a lot of them just aren't going very far. Yeah. Well, that's um, like so yeah, bands are, bands are cool. Yeah. yeah. Bands are a nice trophy, and of course, it's part of the joke. Everybody wants to have a lanyard full of bands, and I always I joke with guys, you know, when somebody shows up, maybe you don't know them, or you see them, and they got a lanyard full of goose bands. I've been hunting geese a long time. And, you know, I've got a bunch of bands, but it was many years in the making. So I always joke and tell guys, if somebody's got a lanyard full of bands, I'll just remain quiet. And as soon as that call goes to their lips, I'll know if they shot them or if they bought them on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Rob, uh, we wanted to say thank you for coming on tonight. We learned a lot about goose hunting, stuff I didn't even know, uh, which... Basically, is everything because I don't goose hunt. But <laughs> we're looking, <laughs> but we're looking forward to, uh, yeah, you know, some ladies getting out there and getting uh, some some geese. Um, and uh, is there anything that either you, Trevor, or Adriel, uh, anything else that you guys want to comment on? Or no, it just makes me want to go hunt goose hunting. <laughs> mm. All right. Well. well Anyone that's thinking about it, it's not rocket science. Go goose hunting. It's a, it's a ton of fun. And, you know, you can look at videos that say guys that call great and have hundreds of decoys. Not necessary. Go out there and enjoy it and learn it. And you can do it at your own scale. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Rob. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Rob, for uh, for all that information on goose hunting. I kind of want to get out now. I kind of want to go and, like, camp out on some dugouts and uh, and watch for geese. While we move on to listener feedback, I'll, uh, I'll take this first one from Mark. Hi, guys. I would like to send a message out to everyone who's thinking of trying a shooting sport. Do it. I tried out a steel challenge and a three-gun match this year and loved both. 
The people in the shooting community were very helpful and made me feel very welcome. <laughs> very helpful. We'll come back to that. Okay. People, people won't scoff at the rifle you brought or laugh at the target you missed. What they Just will do is help you. <laughs> help you figure out a stage. Help you fix a rifle problem. Even give you some tips, such as how to reload faster or account for height over bore on those stupid close rifle targets. <laughs> you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Do you want to comment before we go to the PSs? Nope. I'm just going to go back through it and pick it apart. <laughs> okay. P.S. I would like to give a shout out to all the great people I met this year and thank them for their help. P.P.S. I bought a shotgun yesterday. I'm not going to say what it is because Trevor will be a curl about it. It was it, it was autocorrected jerk to curl. Ah, that's interesting. Uh, but I did go to the range and practice my left hand chamber reloads today. Two guns down, one to go. Mark. AKA Stable Boy. AKA, AKA Stable Boy. All right. So, um, where do I begin? The Steel Challenge match and the three gun match were both at my club. At the Steel Challenge match, Mark actually beat me on the dueling tree. And then the next day, insisted on seeing my 100 year old box of 45 ACP military surplus ammo, which I then promptly dropped on the floor. It was factory sealed until he wanted to see it. He actually got to meet the man that gave me this box of ammo, too, so I just completely threw him under the bus for that. Uh, the people in the shooting community were very helpful and made me feel welcome. They won't scoff at you for the rifle you brought. Well, he didn't bring a rifle, so we couldn't scoff. Uh, we all laugh at people who miss targets. What they will do is help you. Well, okay, so uh, I tried to help him with his shotgun purchase. We'll come back to that. Help you figure out a stage. So after I got DQ'd, I'm like, guys, come here. Let me show you how to shoot this stage. And I'm talking about what, you know, what target to start on, when to transition. Look, I don't know everything. I don't profess to, but I did design these stages. So let me at least put that out there. I may know. A pro will come along and find a better way to shoot it than I come up with sometimes, if not most of the time. But my way to shoot it is better than some of these rookies who had never shot a match before, right? Take, for example, the maze. It is just that. It is a maze of walls and posts, and you have to navigate your way through it while shooting targets. So I ask uh, Tresca and Trevor, the rookies, to come with me, and I walk through. Oh, we do an official walkthrough, and then I take these guys, and I walk through, and I'm like, shoot these guys, these guys, these guys, reload here. Shoot these guys, these guys, these guys, reload here. Shoot these guys, these guys, these guys, reload here. So the round count was, if you're running a Beowulf uh, mag, 10 rounds, change. Or no, sorry, 12 rounds, change. 10 rounds, change. 8 rounds, change. Filthy's over in the corner telling Star Wars stories while I'm doing this, and he proceeds to walk completely past targets. He just like he actually was in this port. There was two targets. He shoots one, and just like the other one's right in front of him, but he chooses not to shoot it anyway. Mark went through with a mag that Filthy told him to stop using and had malfunction after malfunction after malfunction. Uh, what else is kind of funny there? Well, that was pretty much it. Uh, yeah. I, I, and of course, I was, it was the end of the day and I was hangry and uh, <laughs> or filthy. Uh, filthy. Sounds I like was had showing fun. people how to do this. And you were telling Star Wars stories. I was being... <laughs> 
I was almost being a jerk. Anyway, all right. Um, uh, the hide over bore thing. I did explain that to them because there was some no shoot targets stuck on top of the shoot targets. So anyway, so Mark sends me a Facebook message. I don't know Monday or Tuesday with a link to an ad for an escort shotgun. You know these escort shotguns, Adriel? Yeah, I hope you didn't buy one. <sighs> he did. Hmm. Okay, look. <laughs> Again, we don't know everything, but we're fairly experienced with the firearms, the firearms community, and we know the good products and the bad products. So when someone who knows us doesn't ask our opinion, well, I'm not going to lie. It's like, you know, I've got a mechanic friend. I ask him for his opinion a lot because he knows more about mechanic stuff and automotive stuff than I do. And I know he's there, so I reach out to him. So it's like, it's like having a, a doctor in the family and not asking them when you think something is wrong. Yeah. So when people don't ask us for our opinion, that's cool. That's fine. But when they do ask us, Mark, for our opinion and we, you know, try and help them save money and time and frustration and they turn around and they buy the Jeep Escort shotgun anyway, what, what am I what am I to do with this? This is my go button moment for the show. Just let he it said, happen. It's fine. <sighs> he'll he'll figure it out and uh He'll he doesn't be have better to figure for it because he'll have own. learned. He doesn't have to learn lessons on his own. He's got us to help him and guide him. Eh, maybe he hasn't had a bad enough uh, experience to uh, to justify it. But, you know, maybe let him. Maybe. Sometimes you got to let people fail. <sighs> it's painful to watch. Yep. It's like there's no shortage of firearms. He could continue Just to borrow ours while he's hang on to the Hang on to the I told you so and uh, and get ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's ready. Yeah, it's ready. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's black pistol grip, uh, $250. bucks. has no aftermarket support, so there's no way of putting an extension on there. So enjoy your limited capacity. Uh, no, there will be uh, an extension for it. It'll fit one of the uh, either the Beretta or the... Uh, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. Well, Anyways, good. that'll be good. Anyways. There you are, Mark. You yeah. got that going for you. Anyway, that rant was supposed to be funny, and it wasn't, so I apologize. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> All right, from John McClain, Yippee-ki-yay, Slamfire. Saw this last night and wanted to send it your way. It is a link to the uh, MMP uh, 2.0 compact launch. Uh, I'm sure many people will be watching closely to see how it works out. Thanks for the great show. I'm slowly but surely catching up. My next episode is number 141, Beginner Handgun Tips. This email may be short enough that even Trevor can read it. John McClain. <laughs> if I had read it, I would have found a way to make it longer. Make it longer. Yeah. All right. If you'd like to email the show, send your email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Trevor, do you want to read the uh, iTunes review? Sure. It comes to us from Alaska Soros. Alaska Alaska Russ. Alaska Russ. Alaska Russ. And it's a U.S. iTunes feed review, and the title is Awesome A. Eh? A light and enjoyable podcast that is like hanging out with old friends and shooting the bull. I can think of hundreds and hundreds. I can think of a of a hundred reasons to listen every week, but with Trevor, it is one hundred and one reasons. Sorry, Trevor, a thousand and one apologies. Seriously, <laughs> you're the best thing east of the border. You're Alaskan listener. Thanks, man. Good yeah, review. Thanks, Russ. So if you want to leave us a review, head on over to iTunes or iTunes, iTunes, iTunes or uh, Beanpod or <laughs> yeah, we're uh, getting awfully close to ITAR there. There we go. Just saying. That's what I was thinking of. Thinking of getting a new barrel for my shotgun. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, uh, grab grab anywhere you want to give us a review and uh, and let us know. 
Uh, any shout-outs? I have one. I just wanted to say thank you to Kevin for bringing, or for allowing us to use you for your guns. That's it. <laughs> and filthy, <laughs> filthy for helping me finish my gun room. He found a source for the hooks I need to hang the guns in the gun cool. room. Awesome. Uh, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, I'm just going to keep going here. Uh, Please join one of our national firearms associations, such as the CCFR, the CSSA. It's important to support those who support us and get out there shooting. Any final uh, words of wisdom? Don't buy escort shotguns. (laughs) Don't buy escort shotguns. All right. Good night, everyone. Goose. Yeah. Go get a goose. Go to get a goose. That works too. Go get a goose. (laughs) Don't take an escort shotgun goose hunting. (laughs) And don't get goosed. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.